Fuck it. Welcome to Game of Notes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. Hello and welcome to Game of Notes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. And yeah, once you see it, that weird doppling effect between Null's headphone and his head really is... a It's like, you know, does anybody remember the film Stargate? You know, when it's kind of like that weird liquidy 90s special effects where they were trying to like do the... It's kind of like a weird water effect. Um, it's like an aura that of- doesn't do it justice. I love that effect whenever <laughs> it came out. I was like, wow, that is so inspired. Uh, I mean, it's looks- a good film. Yeah, I think Stargate, I haven't, really, I haven't watched it in years. Does it hold up? I think it does. Not super well, uh, but it's like, it's very much in vein of the, the classic 80s action flicks that it was trying to like invoke them. I think it holds up, but I'm also, I like the idea of Stargate more than I do like a Star Trek, which I know is a really hot take. So that is quite a hot take given that, I mean, because Star Trek is like wholesome space communism and Stargate is kind of like, we sort of just like wandered through a gate and then triggered a war. And now we're going to kind of just, get involved we're actually really useless because everybody else like way more powerful than us so you know we'll we'll give it a try but we're just we've just sparked it into cellar war sorry everybody (laughs) like but then i guess that's kind of how things do turn out in real life like things get screwed up um though there is that whole weird thing where they're just like yeah we've just got like rifles and those guys got laser guns but their armor is like weirdly completely penetrable by 5.56 nato ammunition and that's just like, and then they even get the the P ninety, and they're like, ah, but it's pistol ammunition, but it's high velocity, designed to penetrate uh, the body armor that terrorists would be wearing, which is why it's in police use, which is why we're using it because we're like cool and stuff. And you're like, yeah, they're they're armored aliens. I'm I'm not sure any cool German Heckler and Koch, yeah, German uh, firearm yeah. is gonna. Just because it's well, just because it's cool and experimental, it doesn't mean it's going to defeat alien armor. That's like but, designed but, to stop lasers. But their armor also is like from the shoulders up, right? Like there's very little actually guarded. They've got like it's like a what's it? It's like a it's like a belly shirt type of armor, though, right? For most of them. Oh yeah, because there's that weird <laughs> thing where it like folds up into like a hawk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're just like wearing sandals. Can yeah. we rename so this just episode? Like, yeah, just shoot their legs. Just Can we rename this legs. episode "Belly Shirt Armor"? <laughs> <laughs> what's the? Uh, what's the? The? I just as soon as I got to shoot the legs, I'm just remembering. You know the scene in Die Hard when Han, Han shoot notices. The glass. Yeah, she's in the fenster. <laughs> and, then, and then the German guy doesn't understand, so he repeats huh? it in English. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that. It's not even a continuity error. That was what the film, the, the screenwriters thought was, was a good idea. Awesome. Yep. Die Hard. Um, it is a good film, though. It's a good film. The depth of uh, Stargate knowledge. Now I've got to go back and start watching this again. SG-1 was good for a while. It genuinely was. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, as a kind of, like, schlocky TV series. I mean, it was no, like, Battlestar Galactica, but it was it was good. And, and, and I mean remake Battlestar Galactica. Hot take. Remake, obviously better than the original. I'm not even sure that's a hot take, actually. That's probably not a hot take at all. I was going to say, yeah, I think that's agreed upon. I, I've been wanting to watch the most recent Stargate uh, series, Stargate Universe or something like that. Apparently, that's whenever it went over to, from the Sci-Fi channel to, like, the SYFI channel, the Sci-Fi, yeah. where, you know, Sci-Fi shows go to die, basically. 
And apparently it's gritty or something. I don't know. SG1 had, uh, didn't that MacGyver in it? Yeah, it did. Is that who it was? Is that Richard Dean was running that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was in it. I remember um, that. You know, I watched a few episodes of Stargate Atlantis and it wasn't even that bad. Like, I mean, it wasn't, like, again, it's, it's like a definition of what's bad. Like, kind of watchable if you're, God, I don't know what age it would have been, like early 20s and it's a Saturday and you're hungover. Yeah, acceptable yeah. sci-fi for a hungover Saturday. Imagine, God, I can't imagine having like three hours to piss away watching five out of ten sci-fi now. It's got to be eight out of ten or above, critically recommended, recommended by two or more people I respect. Otherwise, I'm like, I just don't have the time, my man. I can't, can't help you there. Um, but uh, yeah, do you want to rewatch the original Stargate? Uh, the movie, right? That you're talking about. Yeah, the movie. Yeah. Like, I kind of like. I just have this like warm feeling towards it without actually remembering whether it's any good. And I've got. I just want to have my dreams crushed. That's that's the thing where we are. With so, Stargate. all right. Here's here's my take for that. If have you seen the Abyss? I'll just. Oh yeah. Start with that. Yep. An underrated film. It, <laughs> okay, so well, if you've seen the Abyss then, and then you saw it like more recently, you'll basically have the same take. Like, there isn't a lot of like nostalgia holdover for it. It's just if you enjoy it like ten years ago, you'll probably enjoy it just as much now i count them about the same same level of enjoyment i don't know why but that's okay, that's, that's where it good comes. i, I rewatched mean, the, fucking yeah. uh hunt for red october recently that also holds up it's amazing it's a great film um that ah the bit the bit at the beginning where they're just talking in russian and you know that sean connery can't keep it up for long and he's speaking russian with a scottish accent accent and it literally just zooms in on his mouth and then zooms out of this it, it does something like that doesn't it no no it's not even that it's they're they're talking and they're in the the ward room and just mid-sentence they just switch, they switch. i think he's, yeah. he says i think he says like da it's yeah. like yes and then and the commissar goes yes captain and you're just <laughs> and that's it we're out we're in english for the rest of the film and you're like beautiful seamless <laughs> i barely noticed <laughs> Um, I guess we're not reading reading subtitles anymore. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like we just run out of energy on that whole thing. That's it. But um yeah, I just we we watched that film, uh we watched that film a little while ago, and it was around the start of um hostilities in this in this recent push of Russian offences in Ukraine. And the problem is there's like three times during Hunt for Red October where they sing the Russian national anthem. Mm-hmm. And there's like the, re- the iconic one where there's all the sailors singing it. And then Sean Connery's like, let them sing. And like, <laughs> I, I would be like walking around uh, the, the, the area where I live, just humming the <laughs> to myself. <laughs> And then, like, I get like an elbow of the ribs from whoever I was with, and was like, "You just humming the national, the Russian national anthem." And I'm just like, "Oh, let them shrug." And they're like, you, "You're gonna get beaten up. Like, you can't. There's a war on." I swore uh, I heard singing. Yeah, exactly. For a second there. Wait, hold on. Now, maybe this is a bit political, but now I need to know: mm. it, Does Brent not also have like a really strange section of? your political area that's like pro-Russia right now? Because in the US, there's like no, a pretty no, big no. part that's like, no, no, oh yeah, the, in, obviously Russia's doing the right thing. In the UK, most like town halls and things are flying the Ukrainian flag. Like yeah. as in, it's very common, like um, it's very, very, very common to see Ukrainian flags flying in public places, uh, like officially. And uh, there's quite a, I mean, there's actually quite a big Ukrainian expat population in the uk of one kind or another i think as well i mean like <clears throat> when i was growing up i uh 
I knew a Ukrainian lad in my class and stuff like that. I don't know if that's like indicative of the entire UK, but I feel like there are a fair few Ukrainian people around and people are generally. Um, so I think there's two things going on. I think there's like, I think the, the British ruling class have like let in a lot of Russian oligarch money. And I think they're pretty cozy with the, especially the Russian oligarchs and they own a lot of English stuff, a lot of stuff in England and Britain. Um, but I think the average person on the street is quite anti-Russia um, for historic, maybe like kind of latently for historical reasons. But then, you know, it's like, you know, the Simpsons joke where where Lenin like punches his way out of the tomb and it's like, master Kalash capitalism. And then, you know, all the tanks come out and stuff. And it's just like, we thought you guys, we thought you guys were the good guys now. Um, I think that kind of Simpsons thing has played out. And now people are just like, ah, they were the bad guys all along. Um, so I don't think like I don't think people have any beef with Russian people, obviously, because it's not about that. But I think people are like, obviously, Russia is like invading Ukraine, and that's not cool, um, cool. and not a big fan of the Russian government. That's that's good. Um, I have a couple of family members <laughs> that are that are pretty convinced that uh, Ukraine is the the aggressor. So that's always fun to deal with on like Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, that's I mean that's a that's a shit take really. It is. It is exactly. It's wrong. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a shit take. It's like why are you why, why are you punching yourself in the face? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. That was a shit yeah. take. Oh <laughs> uh, well. Anyway, yeah. Um, I had a friend who had done a lot of touring in in Russia and had quite a lot of. The only person I can think of actually was a scout lad I used to know who was very pro-Russia in a really weird way. And I remember when Ukraine first got in- invaded and there was like Eurovision was on mm-hmm. and everybody on Twitter was just being like, oh, this is awkward, the country invading the other country. And he was just like, it's not an invasion. There's actually a lot of, and you're just like, oh, okay. okay. This is the only person I know. The only other person I know who uh, said something similar to that, um, I'm pretty sure it was a Russian spy. So there's also that. And that is a whole, I can't, that story is honestly too long to recount, but um, I once met a Russian spy. I'm like 95% sure um, that she was a Russian spy. And very, 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 you know, you know, Ukrainians and Russians, they're all, we're all the same people. We're all the same people. It's all overblown in my opinion. Okay, cool. Uh, So that was... Anyway, welcome to Gaming Nodes, a weekly yeah. podcast on the Cosmos from independent validator teams. And uh, we won't be telling the Russian spy story. So um, there, I think there is a, a less exciting bit of drama from the Cosmos this week, which Schultze, you were going to bring up. Is that right? I haven't oh, looked at the man. spreadsheet. I'm, I'm, flying, I'm flying dangerously, not even looking at the spreadsheet. You're bringing up all nodes, all nodes slash Jacob drama already. This is pretty early. I need like at least another eight minutes to let it simmer. <laughs> well, I mean, we can we can just talk about more Stargate films again? That I've watched in the last. I mean, I watched a great documentary on contemporary Australia the other day. It was called Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I gather that's that. basically. Is it the follow-on to Wake and Fright? They go looking for the Yabber and they just find that oil refinery place in the desert. I thought it was the prequel to Finding Nemo. <laughs> all those things can be true yeah <laughs> wait okay okay hold on no sorry I'm, I'm not sufficiently memed you're gonna have to explain that one to me uh finding nemo have you not seen finding nemo well you probably know it i'm aware you of will soon graph. okay <clears throat> okay uh well here's there's another fish, hot take right me. there's some there's at the beginning there's of fish. the fish and he gets lost and at the end yeah. the fish gets eaten by a dentist no escapes from a dentist 
Yes. Yes. Uh, right. But it, it like some stuff happens the, in the middle of mile peril. Basically, Sydney is like used a lot, right? 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney or something like that. Uh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just just the relation to Australia. But my hot take is that I think Finding Nemo is one of the most rewatchable movies. I've probably seen it a hundred times. Uh, my nephews used to watch it basically constantly and it's still entertaining. I can watch it now. If they put it on, I'll just watch the entire thing. I'm totally satisfied just sitting all the way through it. More rewatchable than Master and Commander. That is a heavy claim. <laughs> That's a heavy, heavy claim. Uh, is that is the street actually called Wallaby Street? Uh, Wallaby Way. Wallaby Way. Way. Yeah, I think it's I think it's forty two. Wall- Hold on, I didn't pull it up. That's weird. In Wallace and Gromit, their house is on West Wallaby Street, isn't it? I think the it's beloved, a nod. The beloved British cartoon slash. No, it's not cartoon. Is it? It's, it's um, stop motion animation. I don't know if I'm proud or not that I actually got a spot on 42 Wallaby Way. Well, I wasn't kidding when I said I've probably seen it 100 times. <laughs> so if you watch Finding Nemo 100 times, you get to 42 West Wallaby Way every time without even blinking. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So. But now, no, I, I can bring up, I can I can talk about the now, drama. Have you had Back enough? to drama? Yep. It's, it's, it's simmered a little bit. I had to prepare. We've had a bit of simmer. So. Okay, I guess he, here here's the scope of the drama. Um, there's always been undertones of like aggression towards white labeling for validators in the cosmos, right? Yep. Where white labeling, the idea is you as an infrastructure provider will run the actual node hardware for a um, for someone else to like be the marker for, more or less. It's kind of a decent way to put it. Um, one example of this, you could argue that like stake like Mo was white labeled because. Like he didn't have any actual involvement with the validator itself. He just kind of was the face of the validator, whereas he had a different entity effectively running his validator. I wouldn't really consider him quite weight labeling, but that's the idea. Um, and so recently it came out that all nodes has something like 40 or 50% of the voting power over the Luna Classic chain. And I think about the same amount on the new Luna chain. And the way this works out is it's, it's spread across a bunch of different validators that haven't announced that like someone else is actually running their nodes, but someone was doing um, uh, like node analysis and they found that there's like half validators uh, all sitting behind like five sentries. And then they traced those validators back to all nodes. And the argument of whether white labeling itself can be is, is bad or not is, is one thing, but what really kind of drives the point home is that all nodes actually keeps the the private key of of the validators. So like the thing that actually makes sure they're signing. And it also keeps the the seed phrase of every node that they white label for. And that includes other things outside of the cosmos, includes their Ethereum validators, includes all of their validators. Do they do Um, they publish that last piece or where did that where that last piece come from that that they said I know that was talked about that like they own all the keys or they have all the wallet keys, but is that like confirmed or what? Uh it was talked about in the, hold on, what's the chat called? Terra Founders chat, I want to say. Town, Terra Foundation League? Terra okay. Rebirth League. It was talked about in the Terra Rebirth League chat. <laughs> Terra Rebirth. Okay. Yeah. Um, was, it, and, was it their CEO that confirmed it, something like that? That I don't know. I'm only, like, I'm, I'm in that chat, but I don't pay too much attention to it. I've seen screenshots of it. I don't know if it was specifically the CEO because I don't know who the CEO was. Yeah. Um, I think 
is someone named like Johnny or something like that. Not that that helps any. Um, but my understanding is it was confirmed that they do in fact have these seed phrases and the private keys of all the validators. And obviously that means that they're in a sense they're compromised, right? If the CEO wanted to do some sort of hostile act, they could like pull all commissions or in a sense they could um, basically not allow people to, to yeah. actually access their validator. Yeah. And we do know that that seed phrase isn't necessarily given out to people they're white labeling for. So in effect, they are just running their own validators under a different name. But uh, so that last piece, does that mean they're voting for them? That is correct. They're voting for them. That's how that came out because several of the, I think, I think part of how it came out is someone was talking about um, they were not able to vote, even though they've been in the active set for like two months or something. They're like, like, Hey, we need our seed so we can actually like vote. Yeah. We're not like you haven't given us our seed yet. So we can't, we can't vote. That's fucked. So how, wait, back, back to yeah, the first piece that, around that, having that, that bit is because, because there's a whole bunch of things where you can go, is that yeah. the worst thing in the world? Is that the worst thing in the world? And we'll pause yeah. on a, a opinion on that for a second. And then you're like, oh wait, they, they didn't even have the ability to make a wallet right. that represented that. I mean, that that's, that, that's a <laughs> true. not really white labeling though, is it? At that point, that's not white not labeling, a, right? That's that is... just pay to play, isn't it? It's yeah. something that's not white labeling. It's something that is, I think that is just civil as a service, isn't it? Kind yeah, because I'm guessing the initial stake and everything else was from whoever those customers are, right? Because they had to probably buy in to get to the set because Allnodes is not yep. doing that. So they're, they're in essence, running the infrastructure. I'd be curious to know what the financials are of this. I'd be, I'd be interested to really know what the financials are of those, of those arrangements. But uh, um, Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is like, like, like Todd just said in the chat, this takes it from, you know, the users having full custody of their, or the validators having full yeah. custody over their tokens to now the service has full custody. And that's right. kind of like breaking a pretty, I mean, honestly, a spoken contract of, of running validators. Now you're, now you're talking about like the people inherently that are delegating to these compromised validators, that contract between the validator and the delegator is kind of broken. That contract of, of trust and, in my opinion, of... Yeah, I don't know. At least who you think who you think you're delegating with, right? Because you're actually, I mean, literally all those people are delegating with all notes is really kind of the idea, right? It, so they have full custody of the keys and everything else associated with that. It's interesting. The the governance thing is really everybody gets all wrapped up around the governance because of that component. So if if they're not if they're just like, hey, tell us how you want to vote these shares and they and they vote them, that's one thing. If they're not even a, like, if they're not responding to their own customers' requests on governance votes, that's that's pretty re goddamn ridiculous. That's yep. crazy. And so as as things do in the cosmos, uh, this came to a head with Jacob Gedekian, um bringing it out into the public. And I guess at this point, as of today, he has been rejected from the the lunacy. Um, there's some DAO that he's been basically kicked out for, of. because For bringing this up? For bringing it up. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Was, was it the bringing it up or was it the way in which it was brought up? That's fair. Yeah. Probably the way because... Part of their statement was like, part one, Jacob is exiting Dow. Part two, everything Jacob has said, we don't necessarily believe his words are his own. So and then they do the research and go, oh, shit, <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. I'm curious what you said before, like they're running five proxies and have a bunch of signing notes behind that. How the fuck are they doing that? I thought that was one to one. I thought you couldn't have you can't have one. Can you have one century communicate with multiple Horcrux structures? You can't. They're not using, right? they're not using Horcrux. What would they use? So they're, they're, they just have five sentry servers and then a bunch of validator nodes. Oh, like one to one, just like a you can't have you can't have one sentry communicating with multiple signers, can you? 
Uh, well, Sentry yeah. just shares peer information, right? And so Sentry is just yeah. kind of like a layer of indirection. So, oh, so oh, you're you're talking, like private peer. Oh, you're talking you like the have... like old school, like the actual yeah. private peer oh, and, yeah. and like separate. Yeah, val- so they're running validator nodes. nodes. They're not running signers. They're running validator nodes, and they're just communicating. They have a a, a private network yeah, internally. That's for Sentry. Ah, uh, like, oh, that exactly makes sense. Right. Like eighteen months ago, two years ago, state of the art. That is some efficient. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> that is some. That is some efficient fucking sibling right there. That's a pretty good idea. The, the accepted <laughs> like. Uh, the accepted security model, which everyone shoved down your throat when you started in uh, yeah. Cosmos. Which I forgot about that, but but that actually that that architecture makes a lot of sense for the sibling structure. So kudos to them about about running <laughs> <laughs> a shitload of science. That Sexy architecture totally makes sense in this situation. Like that's perfect. Like that's really smart. And I was like, how the hell did they do that? I love, I love the way like as soon as it was like we need a word for this it's like it's like oh, it's like a simple node architecture then Todd's <laughs> block pain was just in the chat that's so like, funny no, no no it's called full custody that's literally the technical term <laughs> it was like oh yeah of course there would be that that is actually the term it's not a simple <laughs> architecture all right i'm not imp- i'm not impressed with the overall situation but this architecture of what they're doing illegally totally makes sense like this is a highly approved architecture for this. Wait, wait, wait. is this illegal <laughs> is this illegal like with whatever you want to call it allegedly frowned allegedly upon allegedly usurpers called the fbi allegedly. <laughs> well i mean i think there's a funny thing about this where like the question becomes is the is the actual network then behind those sentries because i think i think they co- they have more than 50% of the voting power so that means those sentries oh, are dividing like the dark net versus <laughs> Jesus Christ, like the so actual so wait, classic. all nodes is lunacy uh, yeah basically from a, like a very real legal perspective <laughs> basically yeah the true sh- the the true king of the shit coins how uh, did a network <laughs> end up with greater than 50% sybil power that's Just, fucking crazy Boggles well, the fucking mind. Okay, Rama said it on lunacy it's like sixty percent. Okay, so wow, even more than that's that. fucking insanity. Consensus yeah. power. That's amazing. So sixty percent is run by all nodes, all behind these the same infrastructure, all at Hetzner, right? I think everybody. I no somebody idea. came back and said they're all at Hetzner, right? Or I think I that no was idea. in Jacob's all structure. Nodes so big. Yeah, me either. That's oh, crazy. all nodes is huge, huge. Why? And and for the people who are all nodes customers. Did you know this was the structure before you got involved in this? Because you don't have to be in the cosmos too long to actually look at a white label contract and say, oh shit, I own nothing here. Right. So like, I, I, I'm curious on who those, who those groups are. And if they walked into that knowing, oh, this is the situation that we're going to get, or they signed a contract blind and then they're bent over or something. It's a really, I mean, I, I mean, you guys would agree, right? Like, like if you saw that situation, if you're in the cosmos for more than a week and recognize that you want to run a node, but you have no custody of the wallet keys, you have no custody of the of the node itself. That's wouldn't you walk? Like, it's pretty crazy. Why though, right? Like, if you don't have the skills to run the validator, but you want to run a validator and you use your marketing chops to run the validator, it's still a good deal for you, right? Maybe because depends on what, depends on what, I guess it depends on what they're well, charging because there are a lot of white labels it, it, in the Cosmos. There's a ton of them, right? And 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 you could do you could Google Cosmos white label and you can come up with that you know a dozen different vendors that are that are offering nodes in those types of situations, even like Bison Trails and shit, right? Um, like in that in the old that old situation. Whoa, didn't yeah? Didn't they get bought out and then it yeah, was Coinbase weird. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, they, like, I don't yeah, think they, they, they might uh, still do that. They used to, I mean, they did that in the helium side for a long time. So they, I, they still do. Um, so yeah. the funny thing about that, about that is Bison Trails actually owned a lot of lunacy originally. And that's part of where this issue came into be because they ran a bunch of nodes and they just signed all of them off whenever Luna forked. 
And then that made all nodes basically gain control of the network. And Todd just said, at least he'll give the keys over, which I didn't know. So that's that's one thing. So basically, they both have the keys, right? So I guess they, that goes against what you said before around them not being able to govern, though. Um, and Coinbase Cloud, which is Bison Trails, usually will not. That's right. I've heard that, too. Like, they own the whole infrastructure. And basically, you're just a customer, like, as a, right, as a SaaS type of idea. Meanwhile, Null is just changing backgrounds. Are you in this conversation, or what are you doing over there? Uh, I was just, I was looking at the All Nodes website. <laughs> This, this yeah. sort of reminds me of, like, in general, I'm just always surprised by the size of some of those huge providers. Like the, yeah. I think it's uh, like uh, Block Demon. Like they were on, they were the ones I think got up on stage at Gateway in Prague last year, and they were like, uh, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm just gonna like be a bitch and just be like, they're basically like, we're we're Billy Big Balls Blockchain. We own Big Balls Blockchain dot com. Newsflash, they didn't. They lied about that. Um, who said that? Like we're just we're just like the best and everything. And then <laughs> what's funny is like obviously like Cosmos is like some pissant tiny ecosystem compared to Ethereum. Fine, whatever. But they did double sign, you know. <laughs> like mm-hmm. literally the other day, like um won't say the company was talking to an account manager for a thing and they were like kind of doing the sales part of trying to impress you, and they're just like, oh something, 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 block demon. And I was just like, oh, yeah, they double signed uh, in, our, in our ecosystem. And they're like, what's that? And I was like, uh, basically cost people money through a mistake, you know. But but actually, you know, it's a mistake maybe we can all make. So me being facetious about it is maybe actually just like heaping problems on my own future self. And this poor account manager is like, sorry, what? And I'm like, oh, well, so like double signing, right? So what happens and and and, it's, and they're like, um, well, okay, so we, we were going to tell you about this product. And I was like, no, no, so it's very right. So there are two parts to a Cosmos validator, right? And it's like, we've got a pen. Uh, Have you got a pen? And they and they 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 just said something about connection issues, and then and then and then they they dropped off the call. I don't know why. They've, I've been trying to rearrange it. But they, uh, <laughs> oh, don't, don't know man. what happened there, but but yeah. <laughs> they were trying to impress me, but before that, we had that unfortunate connection issue. They were trying to impress me by uh, by mentioning Block Demon. Amazing, I know we. Well, yeah, this is a pretty I mean, but, good website. Like they, these guys have got this stitched up. What like, this is a, they got a good yeah. website. They spent a thousand dollars on a website, so they must be great. At- no, it's just it's so captive. Like uh, if you go like that, so the the they've just done a good job at like making it captive and giving you options. So like they've got all these networks that they're running, right? They must have fucking a thousand people working for them. But the prices are like in some cases up there in a in a bear market. But if if this was like a big bull, like you know, to not to have a full hands off approach, it's like but <laughs> a big bull's blockchain, it's not bad. And um but the when you go into the networks, right, it's got the first one up there is actually, it's got two options. It says you can stake now or host now. You click the host now button, you go and create a validator, right? Um, but then you click, if you click the stake now, it actually takes you to like a staking page, which is captive in their website. You connect your wallet and you, and you stake through their website. So they don't let you out at all. There's no external links. Uh, it's pretty well done if you're like catching users anyway. Well, I think they're one of the biggest Ethereum providers for validators, so they can forward it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've, geez. So, like the note, 720 a month for a Cardano node. Um, 480 a month in the basic for a 
Osmo node plus advanced plan of a buck forty an hour, I think, or five seventy an hour for enterprise plan. I don't know what those differences are. That what is that? Is that you, you get your keys for that for the five <laughs> for the five seventy. <laughs> Yeah. you can vote what happens if they double sign you <laughs> i'm sure i'm You're sure fucked. they have some control i'm sure there's insurance on this right so is there any is there any is there any mention of it because like a traditional insurance provider obviously isn't going to give you fucking shit and as if all nodes have got oh well, i guess double signing penalties aren't that massive are they i mean they are they suck but like they're not you know colossal if you're a company with female in the bank especially at today's prices right yeah but 380 for a juno node what three hundred eighty dollars? Three hundred sixty dollars. I'm not sure what the advanced plans add because that adds another seven hundred bucks. That's a pretty month cheap. Something three sixty cheaper than your AWS, brother. Move it over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, you, you, can, you can you can snark all you like. Those nodes aren't on AWS anymore, motherfucker. You should pay more attention rather than just being on your visit to the zoo. <laughs> there, Bob there Fossil. is an option to migrate a node. Yeah, I know you moved. Yeah, I saw that. Shit. I saw that. I saw the migration. They run a shitload of nodes, yeah. though, man. They are the number one provider on stakingrewards.com by a defining margin. Like, they have $2 billion in stake value. The next one is $1.2 billion. Wow. Don't advertise that shitty fucking website, bro. But is that, is yeah. that, I wonder if that, I, that's their numbers, right? I'm, I'm wondering if they're talking about all of their, I assume that's all their customer nodes, right? So it's not, I really, would imagine it's so. not really a yeah. fair fight, right? Because they're basically a Sybil. Because they're so, sibling every <laughs> single network. Our Sybil's worth $2 billion. Yeah. Hey, guys, just, yeah. just FYI, you can get a passage node for three sixty a month. So I know you guys are going to run right out. I mean, we are making big bucks on passage right now. Huge. Huge network alpha. Is definitely <laughs> GMI. So, you know, <laughs> invest now. Invest yes. now. Um well, I mean, minting so, ex- extra blocks, you could do that on a fucking Raspberry Pi. So, yeah, could, what about Passage? Zero TX box? Does, does Passage have Wasm enabled? Because if it has Wasm enabled, then you can't run it on a Raspberry Pi. I don't, think, I don't know, actually. No, I don't know. I don't it's know. only a problem when they like make a Wasm transaction, right? <laughs> our, our, I mean, that's true. You could get one of those blades when they come out and try and make a try and make a 19 inch rack full of Raspberry Pis. Man, hey, those those blades look fucking slick. I love I love pie clustering. I, Me too. It's just sick. Pie clustering is awesome. Yeah. yeah, there's there's even just like some little trays you can fit five five nodes in. Uh, five, yeah, um, yeah, well, nodes. Yeah, pies in. I love them. I, I see them. I'm just like, oh, that's fucking cool. You just can't. You can't get the fucking. Pies I don't though. need that at all. <laughs> you can't get the pies though. Like they're so back ordered. Or at least they are here in the U.S. I know. I know elsewhere there's a little bit more. But the back, even that, the yeah. even the CM modules are backordered because I was looking at because they have boards like you were talking about null that has like maybe four or eight nodes, but it takes the the compute module, but you don't have the whole pie. You just like stick uh, the, each card in there yeah. on, a, on like a on like a, a PCB of some sort. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Like in a one U with like eight of those things shoved in there with a couple network cards in the back. That's awesome. This, I just sold the Raspberry Pi that... for. Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's there's this one tray. It's got like a little LCD screen for all of the five pies, yeah. and it's got like little yeah. fucking USB holes. It's so cute. Yeah, <laughs> you should go look at a uh, Jeff Gearling on YouTube, who I think is a guy's awesome. Yeah, that's, you that's, where that guy? my, that's where I get all my. That's where I get all my from Jeff. He's a good dude. Like yeah. he's that's, that's I, the blade. That's where the blade thing comes from, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, he, he tests all those and they send him a bunch of those. He's just like, he's a good engineer and like he, he's a fun dude. So go watch him on YouTube. He's a great, great to watch. I, I have some friends that used to work for the Raspberry Pi Foundation and um, there's a lot of 
yeah, it sounds like a strange organization. <laughs> yeah. But a cool, Schultz, a cool did, computer. Did, did you say that you sold one recently for like a gold bar? Yeah, more or less. I sold it for over double what I bought for it like a year ago. <laughs> Dude, I would have taken that. Wow. Is that is that the most impressive trade this year then from one of us? <laughs> <laughs> Could be. <laughs> oh my god. I don't know. I, I had a pretty in- impressive trade last year going through my fucking coin lee where I can't <laughs> find where three grand came from. <laughs> I had one spectacularly bad trade that was so bad. Our our company accountants were like, "Oh, that's great." That's a good loss to write off. <laughs> like, I was oh, like, perfect. Well, I would have preferred to have made some money. And they were like, <laughs> well, yes, but at least yes. this way, it's a loss in a way that we could work with. And I if you're like, going to lose, you lose large. They're like, if, you can, if you're going to lose, lose it in a way that's very clearly documented and is not a capital <laughs> gains loss, but it's an income loss because then you can put it on. Yeah, exactly. Um, capital gains. Yeah, how did you get an income uses. loss? I can't even remember. I, I let's just put it this way. I that is it. That... <laughs> oh, he's frozen. He was so upset. He oh, just that was so look at upset. That. He's frozen. He's literally broken Australia. Some sort of some sort of koala the, bit the cable. Oh, uh, the 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 fucking the uh, Starlink's been pretty scary lately. Ah, fucking Elon. So uh, I realize we literally have we managed to derail it off of Cosmos again a little bit. But um, <laughs> is it is it is it the 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 what's it confluence of the spit the spheres whatever the fuck it is from the witcher i can't i was trying to make a reference there it's died fuck it we're moving on is it burns night and australia day on the same day it must be is it australia day today oh no wait it's tomorrow yeah. you're in tomorrow aren't you what is it's it it's the 26th yeah, for you it's a 26th is it australia well day for how you? about it's australia day right now so in 20 in on the 26th so burns night yeah, was yesterday for you yeah, so but it's still the same hangover. time in UTC. So, so you got a whiskey well, hangover, obviously. and now you need to immediately start drinking uh, Castlevania. <laughs> My go-to reference of an Australian beer, VB. <laughs> yeah, I VB. mean, I was going to go for a swim in the zoo later on, so I don't know that like it's a good idea to start <laughs> drinking with the animals. What do it? Do it? Do a River Phoenix? Sure. I don't know what the fuck that is, but let's do it. <laughs> Well, didn't River Phoenix drown swimming the Mississippi River while drunk? Really? That's what happened? Isn't that correct? No. Oh, no. Are you, are you thinking of, um, think of Jeff Buckley? You're thinking of Jeff Buckley? Yeah. Jeff Buckley. They were recording, and he went out afterwards and literally swam the Mississippi. He drowned, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you, you River Phoenix, don't have a people will have remembered if about. River Phoenix drowned in a river. They'd have been like, River? Yeah. Unlucky for some. That's what River <laughs> said. That's what they'd have said. Did River... I don't want to say he OD, but did he OD? That, that's what I'm I was gonna, under the impression of. I'm yeah. Go to Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking of Jeff Buckley. I, I know Jeff Buckley died. It drowned in the Mississippi. I remember that because it was like I think it were it was like late night or something similar to that, and he ran out or something. Yeah, and he just got swept away, and that was it. Yep, that's an OD on uh, cocaine and heroin, a mixture commonly known as a speedball. That's right. Yeah, yeah he, was like, he was in LA or something similar to that. I think there's a lot of mention of speedballs in the in the book mentioned on the previous episode of the podcast, Homicide by Paul Simon. Paul Simon, what am I doing today? David Simon, <laughs> David Simon, who wrote The Wire, not Paul Simon, who wrote Graceland. What is wrong with close? Today? We could really, I mean, they're almost the same people. I'm just like 95 um, to the right answer, but fine so line. wrong at the same time. 
It's a fine line. It's, it's, it's still a stupid It's such a couple. fine line between stupid and, and clever. Yeah, it's just clever. a little turnabout. Yeah. <laughs> I love You're welcome. You prepared that. You prepared that. <laughs> I did. Advance. I was <laughs> hoping it would come up today. <laughs> Have you prepared a, uh, a, a Twitter uh what is it? Your your Twitter quote of the week? Have you have you prepared one? Your for drill tweet. Um, my unfortunately, my drill book is is, uh, is a different is location, thousand kilometers away from where I am quite <laughs> uh, right now. Fucking uh, with the program. How by how perfect is it that a book of digital tweets that are available everywhere at all time is a thousand miles away from you, so now you can't pull up a drill tweet? <laughs> it's pretty unfortunate. Really. Somehow it went from digital to analog to digital, but you can't make it happen. Are you doing search? I think he's doing a search on drill tweets uh i was just checking i, I was i was going <laughs> to attempt to quote my favorite one from uh from memory but then i was like i chickened out so i was like uh so long suckers i rev up my motorcycle and create a huge cloud of smoke when the cloud dissipates i'm lying completely dead on the pavement there you go that, that's, that's it's not a it's not an original to have that as your favorite drill tweet but i think it sums up almost everything that is great about drill um but yeah, there's uh, there's also a, a new drill book which I need to go and read, or newish. I think it's called the God Method: How to Become God, something like that. Answers in the chat, but it sounds great. <laughs> Can't wait to read it. Uh, once I finish this uh, history of the privatization of the military, I'm going to read the drill book. How do you fit in with all these documentaries you're watching? Oh, lots of documentaries. Yeah, I've got another one lined up. It's called um, Beyond Thunderdome. I think it's about um, current Australian <laughs> government economic policy, something like that. Tina Turner's in it, weirdly. Never heard of it before. It's weird. But, yeah. weird. Why, it's why weird. would you be reading a book about Australian politics? Like? Um, so you admit guys, that, that just politics. blew. Did you see what happened that, there? So just we admit that is Australian politics. Straight over does. He was just like, either he's complicit in the joke or it's so straight over his head. I'm like, I'm looking at other things. I was actually just looking at, uh, I don't know. I've rehashed all of my nodes lately. And, um, you've had passion. Man, they are, no, I've you just, yeah, I've just re, I've, I've like rearranged how I have them all arranged, if that makes sense. And, uh, like how I operate the actual node itself. Like I've changed to using, because we're on Horcrux, I've changed to using RAID 0 and everything with four, four NVMe drives. Man, these things are fucking humming. Mm-hmm. They are going really well now. Are you doing that so with um, I was gonna, like even fast chains like Razor. Say or even Evmos is pretty quick, right? Are you doing that with those yeah. two and like seeing less misses and everything? Yeah, my my misses are really good. Uh, have been for a while, but uh, yeah, man. Um, the Frey, I want to know how your experience has been getting away from AWS into the world of degenerate degeneracy. That's easy. Like we run remote signers, so all you do is you trash the old, you bring up a new node somewhere else, connect it, sync it. Thank you, Polkaju. <laughs> <laughs> and then, did, uh, so when, did, did you go? Happy, you went you with the. Uh, did you go with? Did you have to rewrite all Ansible scripts and everything, or write Ansible scripts and everything, or did you go with someone else or just do it manually? Or uh, we already have some Ansible. It, it, I think either forked off of Schultz's fork of Polker or. Uh, it somewhere upstream it's polka's ansible um and we wrote i i rewrote a bunch of things to suit the way that i like the node to be set up that's different yeah same yeah so yeah there's like 
basically kept the the core of the SSH <clears throat> hardening because that's exactly what we do. Uh, the firewall enabling stuff, obviously, and then basically stripped out other stuff. Um, install and configure Cosmovisor in the way that we want. Add add a system system D file for that. And some other bits and pieces. Um, and one thing that, uh, and also we we it, it's not really necessary, but like uh, additionally having like two factor auth and stuff is, is is we tend to do that using like Google Authenticator or like a compatible two FA um, solution over the SSH. So that's like we just that stuff as well. But um, it ended up being a bit of a faff because I forgot that when you fork something off GitHub, you can't change the visibility unless you basically trash the Git history. Um, so there's kind of like, and I think in our company one, there's like a fork, which is like the some when we just need to bring up a box, we have like one fork. And then when it's actually a node, we have like another one, which is almost exactly the same, but I've just trashed the Git history on it because I was really tired when I did it. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to. I'm just gonna push a new repo. Fuck it. If you message GitHub, they'll cut the fork out, so you'll keep the history, but then you can make it private. Because I've oh, done yeah. that before. Yeah, but it, it does require explicitly that you message them. There's no way to do it in an automated fashion. That's weird. I mean, it kind of makes sense that there must there must be some like hysterical yeah. reasons reason for it. You know. Yeah. Like um, my, my, I, I've done the same. Like I, I think I forked Schultze. I think I took your version, and I've, I've rewritten. And plus, I've added all the other stuff, like Aptos and all the stuff we do for Stargaze APIs and Chainlink stuff and everything else. Like it's all in there. So it's, it's such a, it's, and plus I'm, I'm running Ansible Vault on fifty percent of those files, maybe because it might be a not necessarily secrets, just like uh, just some server addresses or other types of things. I might be running HA proxy or something. I don't want to put out there. So then I always get worried about fucking checking in a non-vaulted file just on accident. And so it'd be nice to take some of that private, even though, I mean, I want to, I want to respect the work that was done because all that kicked it off for me. So, but I've, I've changed so much of it just because, you know, like I, I have nothing to contribute back. That's my yeah. issue is cause I, cause even like, even I, me putting all these different chains on one, on one repro is probably not the right way, but I'm so far into it. And then, um, like I would never do a PR back on, on some of that stuff because there might be some things like maybe like some setup or main type of things, but everything is, my, it's like, it's my way, right? Like same thing that Frey said, like it's might be specific security things that I want to do that might not make sense for you guys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, yeah. and the core of like the most useful things I think in the Ansible script and, and actually look, if you're a validator listening to this and you are like a bit unsure about like some basic best practice for like setting up boxes. Like you should check out Polkachu's um, secure server setup. It's a good mm -hmm. start. base for, for starting, which is just set up the firewall, set up correctly, ban everything that's not the exact ports you expect to be using for the current use of that server, harden your SSH configuration, and then you can add additional things on top of that if you want. So right. like in our case, that's like we like having 2FA because another thing that 2FA does is it automatically stops people just like spamming or Where are you doing 2FA, 2FA and what? So SSH. SSH. So through what? It, it, what's that? Sorry. Through what service? Um, you can set up, uh, you can basically just use Google Authenticator to, uh, you can set up. There's a, a package for that, right? Is that what you guys do? Yeah. 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 We don't have so, anything exposed. So I'm just, I'm just curious. It's, no, it's, no, no, no. So. It's, that that two FA is actually built in the SSHD now, isn't it? Isn't it an option? You so it it's yeah. So SSHD you can configure a uh, basically a check that will will challenge people, and it it 
I don't know if under the hood it's actually using the same password challenge. Um, it's just TOTP, like right? It's just giving you a it's giving you a TOPT code and you whatever you do on your phone and blah blah blah, right? Oh, yeah, so yeah. I mean, a, like on the phone, just use Google Authenticator, use Authy, use whatever. Are you using application. A, Can you use the same two? Can you use the same code off of every server, or you are actually per server generating two so FA? You can configure that however you want because it's just dot files. Um, okay, so you can you can pick a you can pick a secret and then that generates the same t- TOTP or whatever, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so you can actually, if you want, you can automate it to the point of um, do, having all the config in Ansible and then actually having the the file on your machine um, for the configuration and then just push and then it just bootstraps the server, grabs the file, and then the server is 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 like once it's done, you can only get in with the 2FA. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I don't like having that file shuffled around by a automated service. So sure. it does everything else, but then doesn't restart the daemon. And then you could basically jump in, make the final change, restart the daemon, and then it'll kick you out. Um, and then you just log back in and it'll work. Or you can log back in another session before you actually restart the thing. Um, actually, I don't think it interrupts cool. the SSH session, so I think you're fine. I think it's just if you ever log out, then you have to log back in, and then you'll have cocked it up. So you can just do the classic open another window and just double-check it works. Right, right. Um, but, yeah. Um, that's cool. That's so, actually that's pretty useful. Yeah, it's, it's pretty a nice, good. It's a nice, nice structure on it. Like As long as it doesn't get annoying where, like, you – I mean, honestly, I don't know if, if – has there ever been, like, a, a SSH key, not even a RSA key, but the newer EE, whatever – I forget what the things are called. ECS whatever. twelve five five nine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Has yeah. there ever been a ED? Has there ever been a comp- like any sort of compromise? I mean, other than you losing, obviously, a private, but is there, that's never been compromised, right? So, no, so really, you're just it's one more factor on you losing the private. That's all really that is, right? Yeah, and because it it, it like it has a sort of debouncing effect as well because you can only make so many requests in thirty seconds or whatever the configuration time is. And that's just like configuration on the daemon. So mm-hmm. you could it, it gives you another way of essentially rejecting requests that come in that are unknown. But we don't do that on every server anymore, purely because we have more as we move more stuff towards bare metal, we have more throwaway servers than we used to. Right. Um we used to rely on a lot of AWS services that kind of plug into the nodes you're running. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we ran more testnet boxes. We were speculatively running more testnets and looking to run more main nets. And of course, we've come off of main nets recently as well, which were all on AWS. So those boxes have just gone. Um, and for, yep. for things like utility boxes, if a year ago, I think being at that point, a lot more tired and a lot more paranoid, we'd have been um, looking to put 2FA on like everything. Now, right. if I can Ansible it, I can just trash the box. If I think there's a problem with the box, I can just trash it, but rebuild it. Yeah, And it's, right. and it's a couple, couple of hours of work to, you know, for things like monitoring or whatever, re, re, move, point stuff at something else. So it, the yeah. that, that has changed, I suppose, in terms of actually having... 2FA set up and, and things like that. Yeah. Once you start using, I mean, honestly, like with, with Ansible and plus using the same two or three vendors that we, I mean, we have stuff in house, but when we use outside vendors, like I can get, I can get a box and a node running in like eight minutes on any chain. Like, like just from, from bare metal, whatever they give me to running two or three Ansible commands. That's, I mean, it's so much, 
it's and it feels good. Like <laughs> there's there's a lot to be said for automation when it comes to that. Like having all your tools there and everything looks the same, and you know I know what machine I'm on and the security side. Boy, is that is that. It, it's like fucking yeah. It's a warm I'm always blanket. a bit surprised when I when I run the Ansible script and the set and everything kind of works, and then I'm like, oh, I should literally just have to install the binary, yeah, copy it into the Cosmovisor directory, and then start. I don't um, even do that. I, I Ansible all that shit too. Like, do you? I Ansible upgrades. I Ansible just the initial. I mean, I mean, knowing that like you're, if you're starting from the current version, it's a new box and it goes. It's going into Genesis, right? So I don't have to worry about upgrade folders and all that kind of shit. Um, and then I, how, I run how good upgrades. is the how good is the new version of Cosmovisor with Cosmovisor and Knit? I bet it's, everyone uses that now, right? Cosmovisor and Knit. 1.0 for life, baby. Yeah, well, I'm <laughs> uh, one still rolling 1.0. I hope that never ends. I'm such a 1.4 whore now. It's Are you? Like, yeah. yeah, it's so much better. Yeah. Why is yeah. it? What's better? Uh, just like the init just makes things easy. It's just one command instead of like having to type in a bunch and then copy you mean stuff copying, and no weird shit. To help copy binaries around or things like that is that is that it's helping just so, the automation of that. So you just do when you when you're starting your chain up, like you install the binary in yeah. Cosmovisor and you just Cosmovisor init uh, and then point it to the binary. So you yeah. just set your environment variables first and then point it to the binary and then it'll create like the Genesis folder, the upgrades folder, the link. It'll copy the binary to the Genesis folder and okay. just set everything up. I think he's making the argument of 1.4 versus pre one. Not one versus 1.4. Well, yep. one, you can't use in it either, I don't think. Really? I thought that's when it started. No, I don't think it's in one. I don't but even know. All the, all the logging issues are fixed and all that type of stuff. Like, it's just a, a way slicker tool now. Hmm. Um, and I, then they moved the fucking thing as well, which is kind of annoying in the um, repository. Uh, but I was going to say something um, to you, Trey, uh, with your hardening script. If you are using... Um, well, everyone should probably do this anyway, but if you're using uh, OVH, they actually have some custom config in the sshdconfig.d folder, um, and it enables password authentication in there. So you need to clear that folder out of stuff as well. You mean you you mean this? Were you talking about the, what we talked about with sudos? Uh, so you when you're when you're hardening, config? yeah. Yeah, when you're hardening on your node um, in your Ansible script, you just need to clear out the sshd underscore config dot d um, of random. Did I get rugged? No, of, no, of just random uh, conf files because you know there's this fifty cloud init file which actually has um, password authentication yes in it, so it'll override the main default config. So when you use um, even if you use line in file or if you're using, um, you know, there's actually a, an SSH um, module that you can set configurations with. Um, it just does it in the main file. And then if it exists in that config.d, it actually overrides the main file one. So you just have to make sure you clear that out. I have nothing on my OVH boxes on that folder. I actually just looked because that actually worried me, but I've never yeah. seen anything in there. Same. Etc. SSH SSHD underscore config dot D. Empty. Fifty dash cloud in it. Empty. Ah, well, it's on every one of my boxes. That's weird. When I, get I wonder them. what that is. Yeah. Yeah, that would what, be bad. What? There should not be doing. Oh, actually, maybe it depends on what. Like, I'm running from a, a Debian eleven. Um, I'm using their image, unfortunately, but I, I'm just making changes based on drive structure. But I'm using the Deb, Deb eleven image, so maybe that's a maybe that's different based on image that you're pulling from. 
Uh, yeah, well, I use I use uh, the Ubuntu 20.04. Maybe so. that's what it is. Maybe, maybe I'm just lucky because I'm, I'm dead. Yeah, maybe. But yep. I'll, I'll check it anyway for anyone. I what what are you using, Shieldsy? Ubuntu uh, 20 as well, but it has some custom setup. All right. Uh, anyway, worth <laughs> worth a check. I just yeah. noticed that. When, Good to know. So, like, I, t- I take all the inspo as well from uh, all of your guys' scripts, actually, like, um, Usurp, you linked me to some of yours, and Schultze and Pokachu have mm-hmm. taken inspo from all of those, but essentially ended up writing them all myself anyway. And that was mainly a learning thing for me because I'd never used Ansible before. So I just, it, it's easier for me to learn if I actually go and yeah. write the whole thing and make all the mistakes while I'm while I'm doing it. That's right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's actually, you know, fuck, it's so much, so much better than doing it manually. Like, well, just so get- much better. You just, yeah. yeah. Then you get in the other situation where if I make any change to a box, I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> like, yeah, any, like any, why am I typing? Any, why am I typing? Like, and any change that comes up, like if somebody does not follow the structure or they use like their own binary, which is somebody who's okay. Or if they have like a different init script or they run like setup scripts in their own repo, instead of actually just doing a make install and all that type of thing, like, I'm like ah, like, God damn it. Like breaking my shit. I mean, I, I've I added the make install to, to a lot of networks just because of that. I'm like, yeah. nah, I'm not putting up any crap. I'm just going to throw some some throw, lines into throw a variable file. in there and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> that, right. The only problem is you start getting to like even like we. I think uh, I forget what chain we were just on that has a newer version of the Cosmos SDK. Um, about say DevNet. That's what you're talking about. Is it say DevNet? Where yeah, like some is. of the some of the core commands didn't work and stuff. Yeah. Or some of the core commands are different. Oh, and the config is different. That's what it was. It was, maybe it was. You're right. You're right, Chelsea. It was say DevNet, where like they moved all the config structure in the files from a dash to an underscore, so all my seds break. Um, and then I think there was a bunch of changes in there. I think it's no longer inbound and outbound connections. It's now just a total connections and let the node figure it out. Um, there's a bunch they're, of stuff in there. They're no longer seeds. They're called like bootstrap peers. That's or right, bootstrap peers. So the seed is gone. And actually, I think those nodes even re- i ran a i ran a, an actual tender seed node and i think the nodes rejected that because they actually wanted another actual sade binary running as a bootstrap here instead of a seed or something like that it was like there's a, anyway there's changes coming so there might this 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 fork might get forked again for having to manage chains that are on uh what what is that is that 47 or 46 I or something i think it's 47 i want to say it's 47 yeah. Originally it was 46 back when Never Craft was the first one using it, I want to say. And oh, was then it? it was pretty unstable originally. So I think it pushed back. Yeah. I'm down for I mean, change is cool. I'm not not I'm downplaying that. It's, it's all that stuff is good. It's just it's just, you know, one of the downsides of automation is you gotta man, you gotta manage that shit, right? I actually just realized that craft uh is like officially down now. I would think so. Finally stopped. <laughs> well, <laughs> Even the no, I mean like the the blockchain, like the test net's down, but their website's actually down now. So I think that it is a, it is officially buttoned up. As is this no it? Longer a thing. Is this the first officially one? Rugged. Yeah. <laughs> that actually yeah. actually ended before it began. So um, <laughs> when with your your configurations, um, usurper, I I am going to move because I haven't done um, the configuration scripts yet. I know you guys use like set or line in file. For all yeah. of your um, configs, changing the the um, you know config.toml uh-huh. and app.toml, I'm yep. actually going to change and start putting all of those into my system D files um, as environmental variables. I really like that um, idea. I was thinking the same thing. Like I, 
I, the only issue with that for me is like you can't just fire the binary up on its own without running it through system D. And so you're kind of dependent on Cosmovisor and the folder structure and all that kind of stuff. Because sometimes, like if we're troubleshooting, I'll just run the binary manually because I want to be able to be live and be able to kill it. And I don't want to tail shit out and everything else. But I, but the idea of being able to ignore the config and run it all through like like uh, passing variables in on system D is actually pretty pretty. It's pretty strong for automation versus like setting out the file and everything. Yeah, setting the files a mad pain unless you have unless you just maintain the config file locally on your. Um, but it, it just right. makes it easier to see like what you're actually changing. So when yeah. you know yeah. when the, you're trying to troubleshoot the issues with bloody you know on a test net or something, you can just go, well, I've got these settings um, rather yep. than having to be like, oh fuck, of you know this, that, and the other. So yeah, let me know how it goes. Um, put that put that stuff back up. It'd be interesting to try that. I just didn't know if everything. We talked about this on the channel, but I wasn't sure if everything that was available was actually command line available. It's all available as um, like as environmental a- variables, I'm pretty sure. Because you can either set them when you call the um, the binary mm-hmm. in the in the line that calls the binary, yeah. um, or you can just set them all as environment variables for when you start the binary. Okay. I just I'm not sure if can, uh, Cosmovisor will affect that at all, but um, I guess we'll should be out. right. You just environment variables in the system D file. I don't think Cosmos it's not really doing anything, right? It's just running the binary with those. That's a good question, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, because you're really passing the variable down to the binary. Yeah, I guess they pass it on, maybe because it all. It, I th- it, I'm not 100 percent sure how system D works, but I assume it runs like in a sandbox um, environment because you can have. Yeah, I saw. I used the wrong word, the fray, but. You can have like five instances of Cosmovisor working with all, all each with their own, um, you know, environmental variables in the system D. So what I mean yeah. is, it doesn't share the environmental variables between different system Ds. The Fraker probably yeah, tells each, why, each, why. Each, each one, each one, each one's run demonized, so it's run in the background. Um, but, but you're that's a good point because you're actually running Cosmovisor start in that binary directory, but you are setting environment variables that I assume would be only to that to that process. Yeah, I think you. I think you'd be able to run multiple chains on one node if that's where you're yeah, going. Yeah, I think with that. you could. Um, and and you know, it's also worth saying that like the only configure via environment is very very common as a best practice for software development has been for the last five, I don't know, maybe ten years. Like twelve factor app is the is the like definitive. Especially if you do anything like you know serverless or stuff like that, where or especially like stuff like AWS, like you're basically running throwaway hardware and you're passing in environment variables all the time. I mean, like this is one of the things where like to use the, to, to talk about Aptos for a second, like is very, very different between we've run some stuff on bare metal and we've run some stuff using um, Amazon EKS, which is a very different experience. And it's because like, obviously when you throw stuff up on EKS, you're basically just like, I would like one very, very generic validator and one very, very generic VFM, please. And then I'm going to give you effectively via environment what you should know as secrets. And obviously, you, well, the way the way you encrypt them, decrypt them using uh, Kubernetes and using Kubectl and everything is is out of scope of this. But but you're you're passing all of that configuration in in such the only place it actually really lives is on your laptop or the deployment box or you can I think with Aptos actually configure it to be in like an S3 bucket or a vault. Um, but that's another way of doing it. There isn't really a concept of remote signing, I don't think. 
Um, so that's the other thing. But it's very, very different to like if you're configuring a box via bare metal, all of that environment is basically just co-located somewhere on the box. It's not passed. I don't think Aptos has the same thing Cosmos does where config file values map to environment variable values to allow you to 12 factor everything. I don't think so. I don't even know. So I think it's, I don't know if that's a, yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. I don't think they do. So on a different note, uh, uh, uni is dead. Long live uni. What the <laughs> fuck is happening there? The fray. What's up with uni five? Uh, well, uh, uni five app hashed after upgrade, um, on a block that had, IBC TXs and WASM calls, so that's nice. That really helps to narrow it down. <laughs> was that was that the first block after the? I thought it failed Second at block. the upgrade. Oh, so it did. It did Second make a block. block after the upgrade. Yeah, it made. I think it made two blocks. Um, second block, there were price feeder calls, IBC calls, uh, WASM store calls, maybe even a WASM execute call. Um, and yeah. Fun times. Just, it could be a number of things, but probably, probably fees is the one, isn't it? Um, fees or feeds? Well, fee, global, global fee or global Oracle fee. are the two likely smoking guns, but I think global fee is the newer one. So, um, yeah, hopefully it won't result in RIP Uni, but it may result in RIP Uni. Um, because I hope some... I've done months of staking to get that shit even out. <laughs> you got <laughs> too emotionally hell. invested in a test net. <laughs> so, um, so much out, so much hours. Yeah, it's, time. Been a, it's been it's been a weird one because it's been the first time that you knew shot the bed where it hasn't been a hundred percent my responsibility to fix it. <laughs> and How's that feel? It feels magic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've just been, I've just been, I've just had other shit to do so. Um, but it's, it's, it's really like, I, I can recommend, I see why other people just swing into the chat occasionally and say things like, Oh, if you tried blah, 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 then fuck off again for a day. Um, it's great. Um, so that's really unhelpfully what I've been doing while, um, mainly Reese, uh, and a bit of friend of the show. And to be fair, for friend of the show, Jake, friend of the show, Jake, friend of the show, Reese, uh, have largely been, I think, looking at that. Um, and Reese has been sort of narrowing it down. Um, wait, wait, hold on. We have one more call to make there. Chill Validation has been doing their part. Oh, well, Chili, Chili, man. Chili has been doing a lot upstream. Uh, yes. So Chili actually has been doing a lot up, upstream in the SDK. Yeah. And it's that which means that Chili was aware of some similar issues on other chains, which has led to the probable smoking gun for uni. Um, so, I mean... Yeah, I mean, Chili's, Chili's great. It, as an aside, you know, chill validation. If you want to shout out uh, a, a, no, a node operator that does demonstrable, demonstrably good upstream work on the Cosmos SDK, there you go, delegate to chill validation. Yeah, yeah. I totally just want to take the opportunity to call them out because they've been great since day one. Dude, I, yeah, it's I, definitely, a, definitely a worthy call out. Definitely stake chill, stake chill. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, honestly, like what... Just a Good great question. guy, great guy, and like just a fun to be around. It has a great sense of humor, and like just I don't know, big fan. We we have asked Chill to come on before, but he's not like a. I feel like jump we, on a podcast uh, photo guy. Oh fuck him then. Yeah, he's, yeah fuck, that guy. No, he's, he's, <laughs> fuck that guy. Never mind. Does he even, does he even watch the podcast? Oh, fuck that guy. Probably. Never not, mind. Yeah. Fuck all that. 
I th- yeah, yeah I, I don't think he's keen to be like have his face on the internet and talk shit about stuff. So. Fair, fair. Some would, some would be concerned about that. We yeah. are too stupid to be concerned about that. So <laughs> here we go. Let's go. Um, yeah, no, Chili's sick. Um, that's why they're not on the podcast. So, hey, no. mm-hmm. on, on a completely boring note, my accountant tells me that I'm going to have my fucking tax sorted out at the end of this week. Congrats. So elated. Oh, mate. Nice. Did you get yeah, your, I know uh, you guys have already done your whole you rigmarole have... and are already like, I'm fine. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, conclusion, the, the, con- the conclusion for us was hilarious. It was like, well, these are all just wrong. Like what? What the, the other? What? It's it's too convoluted to even explain why they're wrong, but they're wrong. And the the my my new accountants are basically just like we're just like the thing the government cares about is getting paid, and our suspicion is these are wrong by such a a margin. The problem is that the way everything's been filed is basically arguably fraud, but the. The, the amount they're wrong by is probably going to be 1% wrong. So you're totally fine because as a company, especially working in a super new area, if it is like, it's not a great excuse to have to be like, the accountant's definitely fucked it up. But like, if they, if you get, if you've actually paid the right amount, they'll be like, eh, oh, well, whatever, boys will be boys. They won't quite do that, but they were just like, basically the only problem you can have is if you try and sell a company or if you try and take out a loan, because then it goes from being like, our books were screwed. Our accountants didn't have a great year. Sorry to being actual fraud. <laughs> um, but we don't plan on doing either of those things. So it was just like, Oh, okay, that's fine. And they're like, you're remarkably calm about this. And I was like, I just care about paying the right amount of tax. I don't really care. Like if we've if we've oh we've it's it's like slightly it's in category fourteen B instead of fourteen C like I'm sure we can just change that and they're like yeah we can just change that I'm like well okay amazing my sense of elation has not dis- dissipated thank you very much and they're like okay you need to be a little bit worried I'm like but I pay you to be worried anyway have a great Friday and they're like it's not Friday it's Wednesday I'm like click <laughs> it's game of nodes night it's Friday now. So it, it took a couple of uh, accountants to get someone who agreed with the way that I wanted to do it. <laughs> so that's who, that's who not was, how it works. You don't just get to re-roll until somebody goes, "You get to pay less tax," and you're like, "Apparently, that done. is how it works, though." So it, the thing is that I interpret the the tax code in Australia in one particular way, right? And then there's like this thing here that if you if you make a best effort to like pay your tax, then, you know, if you get audited, they're not really going to fucking steamroll you. They're going to be like, we don't agree with that. And you can go, well, this is why we've done it type thing. But, you know, we were talking about it. And for starters, it is fucking impossible for me to get the transactions, right? How in the fuck is the government going to get them? So there's that problem. And we talked about it and running back of the envelope numbers, the way we're doing it, you're roughly going to pay like a little bit more tax than what you would if you went through and like defined the whole like chain of custody of bloody tokens, right? And figured out all of the cost bases and all that type of stuff. Yeah. So, and because it's like in a high transaction environment, we we estimate that we will get away with just doing it in the way that we're doing it uh, because it saves like so much money 
in um, in administration costs that you can argue that it's just not feasible to run the business with that type of admin. Um, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see how we go with it. I've had other accounts that were just scared of, well, you know, I've talked to other accountants um, in this journey to find one that I, I synced with that, you know, some of them are uh, worried that they're going to get an audit, um, which, you know, may or may not. But the, the thing is, is like the, the tax codes are like still developing and there's room for interpretation there. So I don't think even if we did get audited, I don't think we'd get hung out to dry. I think they'll just say, we don't agree with how you're doing it. Can you have another look type thing? So I think here, here they're really, really detailed and specific. But the problem is that, like you say, it's getting data. Like it, it does like they're like, okay, here is exactly what you need to do if you get an airdrop or something. And you're like, okay, great. Even I don't know how to get that data. I'm so sorry. I really like I'm trying my best. <laughs> that, that, um, that's exactly it. Like if we can't get it, what fucking hope in hell does like a third party have of getting it? Like we're the validators. <laughs> well, the, the issue the issue here in the US at least is they can determine what that value is and it's up to you to determine that that's incorrect. So they can say that you like, we don't know what those values are, blah, 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 blah. Or we think that you've, you've acquired X amount of assets. And so therefore this is your tax amount. And so trying to figure out how they got to that number, why that number is incorrect, showing that it's incorrect is on the burden of the taxpayer, not on the federal government. So that's the issue here is I totally agree with you. Like I can't even get like, I'm, we're hoping that, I'm hoping that Todd shares his Juno full node because I, that's the only option I have for pulling some transactions from last year in 2022. Um, but if I don't, and if the the history of Juno is a little bit shady, at least I mean, I, difficult to be able to get a full picture out, at least for our stuff. Um, then I got then I have to pull what I can and like make some assumptions. And if those assumptions get questioned, then I got to fucking figure out how to do that, deal with that. And I just don't want. And what I, what you don't want is you don't want. I want to be. It would be accurate enough to be able to move past and know that I feel comfortable that that is accurate. At the same point, you you like you don't want to be shady enough where you end up being an audit, which they said you're, then you're proving every single thing that comes out of that. So I don't know if you have the same thing in Australia. No, uh, I don't think so. I think they just like go through your books and tell you that you've done it wrong and ask you to do it again in do a better it. way or whatever. Yeah. But, but so the, as far as I the way that, that we. Yeah. The, the way that we're doing it, though, we, we will pay more tax earlier on because we are paying tax on our holdings yeah. as well as our gains or our income from sales. So, um, I thought you, you were know, doing that. Whatever, whatever we're that, – no, that's what I wanted to do. And oh, then okay. some then, – then they can, another bloke came and said, no, you can't do it that way. And then I talked to other people. Well, yeah. who, who gave me the reference? Someone gave me the reference in the chat the other day of like, it's fucking – um, it was the Tom Cruise bloody thing where that was he fires his that was me with the, with the, <laughs> There's a I'll put a link in the show notes. There's a there's a video of uh Matt Damon talking about Tom Cruise and some safety thing or like some crazy fucking uh um born at, no not born, um whatever crazy movie he was in um with um doing stunts and all this type of shit and he wanted to do some crazy mission impossible you want to do some crazy stunt and the safety guy said you can't fucking do this you can't fucking do it and he goes so <laughs> so i talked to the safety guy safety guy says you can't do this he goes uh-huh uh-huh so i get another safety guy <laughs> it's exactly that's right you just keep he's going from accountant to accountant to get the answer you want so i got another accountant yeah. who says this is totally the right way of doing it 
That's, so that's the, a secret. Yeah, I mean, that was, it was totally the thing. It was, it was so funny when you sent that through. Mm-hmm. Um, so Which the one? only reason I'm comfortable doing it this way is because during COVID, Australia introduced a new rule for businesses, small businesses. You can actually claw back um, tax from previous years. So there is the risk that if it's a really high market and we're high, holding a lot of tokens, that we'll end up paying a lot of tax in that FY because of our holdings. Yeah. Um but then at the end, the next year, when all those tokens reduce in value, you'll have like a big loss from those tokens if they reduce in value. So then you can actually um, claw back tax from the previous year that you've paid on those tokens because they were high, if that makes That's sense. Cool. If, they, if you couldn't do that, you would have to carry that like, you know, you'd be carrying the losses on your books until you sold them out, but you'd never be able to get tax back from previous years. So if you had a really good year and paid like, you know, just weird numbers like 100 grand in tax and then the next year you lost 50 grand well you're never getting that fucking tax back so but the but the that's 50 you carry forward, right is that your situation yeah yeah because it's it's um because crypto is just like used cars we're a company that that happens to mint a thousand used cars a day and they're just, they're just only worth a dollar right now <laughs> But we've got we've got a lot of used cars, usurper. We've got so many used cars, we don't know what to do with them. But the problem is, right, these used cars, right, we'll pay tax on them at $10, right? Uh-huh. And then, but then things like, you know, at the moment, the used cars, they're sat, they're, they're illiquid, right? It's not important why these used cars are illiquid at the moment, but they're illiquid. So we've we paid a tax on them, but we can't actually do anything with them at the moment. But if we decide to set, actually actively start going now, we're going to sell these used cars, we can get some hot shots in here to sell those used cars for a dollar, which isn't suspect at all for a used car. Anyway, whatever. We're going to sell all of our used cars. We've already declared the tax value of them at the time of receipt, right? Mm-hmm. We sell all of them. We uh, actually, it's not even like used cars because they're an asset. They're so they're not even they're like a business asset. They're not even like we have stock because if they were used cars, they'd be stock. But actually, they're they're more like the business has bought. 10,000 used cars for our many middle managers. We have 10,000 middle managers who need a used car. We've got 10,000 used cars. And then the value of those used cars has gone down a lot. So we're going to sell all those used cars because we don't have any staff either because we fired one of them. Um, So that's a capital gains loss on all those used cars we bought. And it's not an income loss and we can't carry it forward. Uh, We do carry it forward on our books, to be fair. But as you might have spotted, if we make You can't carry it back. (laughs) <laughs> well this is it if we make ten thousand pounds capital capital loss fantastic um we need to make some money <laughs> to take advantage of that and you see it's the making money part that's hard like if i knew how to do that then i wouldn't be if i knew how to make money then i wouldn't be in the position of rising off such a big loss <laughs> that's, that's... The, the funny thing is though in in your next year as well um the fray you can make a income uh, and no capital gains, and you can't even use that loss. You've, you have to exactly. recognize everything as income. Yeah. yeah, and because you know any staking rewards we make in other ecosystems or anything, it's just straight up company income again. So we're just incurring more, uh, more regular tax, and it's not. The, the, so what we would need to do basically is unstake a load of Juno or a token, mm-hmm. and wait for it to go up in value. Um, yeah, no, so wait, what we need to do? Okay, let me work this out. You need to unstake so a load tax- of Juno. We need to unstake a load of Juno and then sell it at a loss, incurring, like, like it's, let's say we sold everything we have. We incur a massive loss and we look like total schmucks. 
then we need to get in on the next Solana, like super early doors, and just buy or, or get it somehow, whatever, and then just hold it really riskily, right? And just YOLO 100%, like, because we, we, we've we already incurred the income tax as well if we do this. So we already know we owe the income tax, and then we need to try and ride it to the top and then sell it, which incurs then capital gains. But then we don't pay the capital gains because we've already lost the money. And then we go, hey, and then it hopefully all evens out um and we look like legends like we're 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 like a film where there's traders and they did a great trade (laughs) trading places (laughs) trading places we're like we're like eddie murphy and uh dan Aykroyd in trading places and pros and oranges yeah exactly we're we're, Um, we're in the we're in we're in the brown we're in the brown house brownstone brownstone we're in the brownstone brownstone. rather than getting rather than getting rugged by the gorilla that's right (laughs) rugged by the gorilla so rama says so you're saying i should invest as a business and not as an individual so i can claim losses can't do that as an individual in australia with crypto you can't claim losses as an individual is that right now i was gonna say that's not entirely true um so yeah i mean in terms of trading as a business you can actually welcome to game of nodes a weekly podcast on tax in the cosmos (laughs) (laughs) yeah right no shit right I'll just go through the Especially during tax season. <laughs> there's a couple of different things. So um, as an individual, you can do high volumes of trades and actually call yourself a trader. And then you can be taxed as a, um, as a trader on a stock basis. So you can actually do the same things that you can do that I'm doing in a business. It's just a lot harder to do it as an individual and actually say, like if you're day trading, you can, you can use crypto is stock and that's essentially what we're doing as a business that's why we have to do a stock take at the end of the year and then pay tax on the amount of paused um in terms of like actually so in terms of what you say i can claim losses you can't claim losses even as a business it's just that when you're a business you do a profit and loss statement at the end of the year rather than like capital gains and income so income is obviously part of your profit um and the you your um, capital losses become part of your losses and then that balances out to whether or not you made a profit and loss. A little bit different as an individual in that you have to pay income tax on your income no matter what happens with capital gains and losses. But if you are a high volume trader, you can say that that's your regular job and those small capital gains that you make is income rather than capital gains losses. So, game? you know, income and losses, like you you can say that your gains and losses is positive and negative things against your your income. So it's a little bit different when you're when you're trying to day trade or when you're high volume individual trading, if that makes sense at all. Game of nodes is not a tax advice service and do not take this advice seriously. Also remember that Null talked to seventy five accountants with Australia to get the answers <laughs> that he wanted to be able to hear that align to his viewpoint on Australian taxes of crypto. Yeah, I only listen to the things I want to hear. <laughs> so you said yeah, I don't have to pay. <laughs> it, it, I, I don't know. I feel like the sign of a good accountant might be the accountants that seem to know what they're talking about. And then when you go, well, but no, but hang on. But I thought, and they go, no, that's wrong. And you're wrong. And here's why you're wrong. And you need to do this. And you're like, well, I am paying more, but I am reassured that these guys might actually know what they're talking about. That's kind of how I feel about ours. Which maybe that's false basically what, confidence. Yeah, that's basically what my accountant did. 
I was telling him what my plan was, and he was like, I can see why you think that's the plan, but I pity you that you're wrong. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well. <laughs> How much do I owe you? Yeah. So I like when you just talk to your accountants and you bullshit to each other and muse about things until something sounds right. And then you're like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> oh well, you're not, but you're not, you're not horse trading with your accountants. You, this is somebody you pay. You're just like, you're, you're paying an expert. Like, it's not like you're like, oh, well, uh, come on, come on, come on. Come just on. give us a little bit. I mean, for, I ain't no yeah. one an expert in, in fucking tax. Especially, like, crypt- yeah, crypto tax. Crypto tax. It's all, it's all interpretation. It is all interpretation. Yeah, uh, I guess it does yeah, I mean, make like, you realize that like big companies that have like 500 employees or more, they have, must have no fucking clue. Like, like as in, as in, even working out what they've made in a year, like looking at their stock, like knowing yeah. how many. Okay, let's say. Sorry, I don't know why we're doing this. We're a used car dealership. <laughs> even knowing the value of all the used cars on your lot, like nobody knows that. Like, you, so you kind of go like everybody's taxes are a best guess. Like we're all just in this kind of. Uh, like where everybody's management reporting is just a best guess. And we're just like all this collective delusion that we're being a hundred percent bang on. So you're just like, at the end of the day, there's got to be a point where you, you, you kind of just go, oh, look, we, we tried our best. We're not trying to swindle the tax man. We just want to pay our fucking taxes and it'll probably be fine. This is my hopeful when, when I'm put up in front of, of small claims court or whatever, like, come on, come on lads. We're all just trying our best here. They're like, you books boys are completely will be wrong. <laughs> That's your defense. You books are completely wrong. There's not even a cursory effort to correct these glaring mistakes. And your accountants, who have just been in the dock, said that you said, "Ah, oh, it's okay. We'll we'll fix them during the year." What kind of management strategy is that? You're like, uh, so you oh can gosh, say the you accountant like told me boys will be boys. <laughs> I've heard that boys will be boys. Are you telling me? So here's here's an idea I've had, Ray, and this is. Uh, <laughs> I have to run this one by the boffins yet, but next year. Whoa, hold on, we guys pause for a second. By the by, the what? The boffins? What? Is, what is the what? What? So you the know where you have you puffins. Know, like the smart people. You know, you know what puffins are? They're a small bird, seabird, yeah. right? A, a boffin is just a much larger puffin from Baffin Island. I think you're just making shit up now. Fuck with us. <laughs> It's like an uh, English-Australia colloquialism, I guess. Anyway. Yeah, so, it's like, it means like poindexters or whatever. Okay, so it's like, know, actually, people, it's like a smart... The, okay, got it, got it, got it. I'd never heard the, the fucking, term before, so I was like, what, like, what are you talking about? Is that your wife? I don't know. I have to run it by the, uh, the, the tax nerds, family. man. I have to run it by the tax nerds. <laughs> the Boffin family. But, so anyway, because one, one problem that I can see, right, is that if I'm paying tax on the saleable value, of my holdings, then I should actually be paying tax on the realizable saleable value of my holdings. So if it's got thin liquidity, I should be able to model the saleable value from the thin liquidity and say, well, I can only realize this for, this is the current price at market, yes, but if I sold my amount that I have to be able to pay the tax on it, then I would only have, say it was 50 grand, then I'd only have 20 grand. So I'm only paying tax on 20 grand. That's a theory I have. I I, I feel like other people would would not agree. <laughs> Keep finding I mean, the right think you're wrong, But I also just think like, is it dodgeball? We're just like, let's see how let's see that go how that goes for him. Like, 
yeah, it's like I have this collectible asset and I want to sell it for a hundred thousand. I can probably only get twelve bucks for it. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, people have Come told on. me it's worth a hundred thousand, but no one has offered me a hundred thousand. So, bold strategy, Cotton. That's the one. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, it makes sense to me. I mean, the other thing is I could just sell them and then pay them the tax on the lower value that I could get for it. So why not just you know take out the middleman and pay less tax? <laughs> It's it's all about like tax minimization, right? I think if you can present a good argument for a tax minimization, then they might still tell you just to get fucked. I mean, yeah. for us, for us, it was more about like um, obviously for political reasons. Like we we all I mean, we all sold obviously during the during the bull run and stuff because it would be kind of dumb not to. But like it was very easy to not sell everything and still run up a really really large tax bill. Um, and depending on how much like liquid cash you have on hand, like the tax bill could easily have exceeded the amount of dollars you have in the bank to pay it. Um, depending on what was staked, what and, and also because the, the thing is the money is not there anymore; it has disappeared. Um, if you pay, and, and so I think like from our from our point of view, it's less about you know what what we're paying in tax and more about liquid cash. And as, as soon as we were sort of like, well, we're not going to go bankrupt then we were like reassured but it was still like i don't know it's been a real learning experience this entire thing like just it's that thing of like however you think it could or should be tax or whatever like learning how it actually is and how that shakes out for you as a business it's like a it, it totally we thought we were being smart and we still weren't being smart that's the thing that last year has taught me like i thought we were being really conservative and quite smart and it turned out we were being dumb dumb to the point of nearly <laughs> shafting our business it's crazy, uh, like, uh, and you don't see it till it's still there in black and white. And you're like, "Fuck." Yeah.